We have so many faithful streamers all over the country and around the world. Man, we're excited to have you guys. There's a couple more seats up here in the front if you guys need a couple of seats. There's some right up here in the front. You guys don't have to stand the whole time. There's a few right up here. This is a great problem. When uh, people talk to us about church planting and about, you know, the whole, once the building gets to a certain level of occupancy, you know, people will stop coming. And um, I assure you that a great restaurant in town will have people lined out the door. It's amazing. They'll wait hours to eat. And, and, and I'm telling you right now that when the presence of God tastes this good, people will line the walls like they're doing right now tonight to taste and see that he's good. He's so awesome. Well, I'm excited to, uh, for a couple of reasons. One, um, I have a guest here who's going to share a little bit with you guys in just a minute. Um, before, before he comes, though, I want to give a little bit of a, just an introduction uh, before he comes. Over the last several weeks, you know, for the last, you know, four or five weeks, I've been talking about engaging culture and how we do that. How do we, how do we let this God inside of us help us to engage? Honestly, this, we're gonna, we've been going there, a, a perverse generation, a perverse culture, a culture that does not look like his kingdom, but we have to manifest his kingdom right where we are. I'm so excited to have our superintendent of schools here with us tonight. Would you guys give you a, a big welcome to Malcolm Thomas as he comes? Brother, we are so delighted just to have your presence in the house of prayer. We pray for you often. We have interceded with you. I've, I've had many uh, opportunities at reimagine events to hear this man speak, and I assure you, he's always got a word in the chamber, and so he can shoot. So just prepare your hearts and get ready to receive what he has to say to us. Amen. Happy to be here. Let me get my disclaimer out of the way. If you thought I'm here as the superintendent of schools, you're at the wrong meeting. If you want to hear the superintendent, I'll meet you at the Civic Center on graduation day. I'll see you at the Rotary Club Tuesday night. I'm speaking there. But tonight, I am not here as the superintendent. I'm here as a sinner who's been touched by amazing grace. I was in the, I was in the miry clay, and I couldn't do anything but reach up, but he found me. I was seven years old, and he found me. So let's get all the pretense out of the way. I don't think I had to tell this group that, right? Let me just tell you, God loves it when a plan falls apart. God loves it. You see, I came here tonight, I had a plan. I was going to sing you a song, I was going to say a few little cute things, and I walk into the building and God causes the plan to fall apart. You see, sometimes when we're at our moment of calamity and we're facing that moment of distress and turmoil, we want to blame the enemy. But I'm here to tell you tonight, somebody in this room, your moment of distress, God put you there to see if you're going to trust in him. And so what I'm doing tonight, I'm throwing out the plan. Is that okay? going to throw out the plan. The scripture I was going to use, I'm not even going there. I'm going to read one verse of scripture. I don't have this very well planned out. I don't have the three points and the great cute story. But I believe the Lord gave me a verse just for tonight for somebody in this room. This world is falling apart. Do you know that? It is falling apart. There is so much distress and turmoil and junk and they're dying and they're lost. And when you look at a lot of the churches, it doesn't really seem like they care. And I'm going to tell you why. In the book of Isaiah, I'm going to read one verse of scripture and then I'll try to explain what I think it means in context of where you are in this service tonight. Isaiah chapter 41 and verse number 17, Isaiah 41, 17, I'll give you a minute or two to, to find that. But let me just remind you that when your plans fall apart, God does that sometimes to see if we will really trust him. Because you see, it's never about us and our arrogance and our ability to begin with. 
If I came here and just impressed you as I sang with a voice or sang with a note that I hit correct, what good is that in the scheme of things? Not when the world is lost and dying and people are sitting in the, in the chair and they've got problems and troubles that they're dealing with. They need to find peace in the midst of the storm. You see, God's not going to always take the storm away. God's not always going to remove that thorn that's in your flesh. God's not going to take away that thing you struggle with, but God's going to give you grace and he's going to give you strength to see you through the, the trouble and the turmoil that you're in. Isaiah chapter 41, verse 17. When the poor and the needy, that sound like anybody you know? When the poor and needy seek water, you were just talking about a flood, talking about all the water piling in. I, this is no accident tonight. <laughs> you know, this is just no accident the way things come together and the way the Lord works. When the poor and needy seek water and there is none and their tongue fails for thirst, I the Lord will hear them. I the God of Israel will not forsake them. You know, sometimes things get so desperate for me. Maybe not you, I'll just talk about me. Sometimes it gets so desperate for me that when I begin to pray, and I began to ask the Lord, I don't even have the words to speak in the prayer. Sometimes it seems that my tongue would fail me. I don't have the vocabulary. I don't have the eloquence of speech to really express what is really inside and what I really need. Sometimes I don't know how to phrase it and put the sentences and the paragraphs together. But there's a promise here in Isaiah that even though I can't speak my prayer, that unspoken request, if you will, if I get thirsty enough, he said the poor and the needy, he said I will, I will hear their cry and I will not forsake them. I've had a lot of tough situations in my 62 years. I'm, I'm proud to say I've lived 62 years. 62 years. And through those 62 years, it's not all been a bowl of cherries. You know, there's been some tough stuff. Matter of fact, in my current occupation and job, just in the last year, I have faced some moments where I would be in my home office and I would just have to put my head on the desk because I could not even explain to God what I needed him to do. I just knew that I was in trouble. I knew that I didn't have the answer. And I didn't know whether left was right and right was left. I didn't know any of that. But I did know that I could put my hand in trust in one that was bigger and mightier than me. And I knew that if I got down to business good enough and could get myself out of the way, that he would hear my cry. And that is his great promise that no matter where we are, no matter what we face, and no matter how difficult our circumstance, God knows exactly where we are. You see, I call it the GPS. That is God positioning system. God's got me in position. He knows right where I am. He can hone right in on me anytime he wants to. He knows where I'm at. He knows what I need and sometimes he knows that I need to be going through just what I'm going through just to find out if I'm going to believe in me or if I'm going to turn loose and just believe in him. And you see, that's really what he wants. He wants us to have our plans so fouled up, to have our plans so mixed up that we have no alternative but just to lay down and begin to trust in him. But what he's really looking for, he's looking for you to get thirsty enough. To get thirsty enough because it's through that thirst. When you get thirsty, that's when he's going to bless you and he's going to feel you and he's going to touch you and he's going to meet the need. You know, the scientists tell us that our body is about 80% water. You know, most of the body's water. When you die, if... If you watch it over time and all the water begins to evaporate and dry up, most of the weight will disappear. That's a great way to lose weight. You know, you just take all the water out. 
So other than the bones and a few organs in our body, we're basically walking water balloons. I mean, that's what we are. We're a walking water balloon full of water. You can do without food probably for six weeks. You can fast and you can survive. But you go without water. You go without that fluid intake and it won't be long. Your body will begin to dehydrate and the critical systems of your body will begin to shut down. That's why when you go to the hospital and you go to see the doctor and you're sick with the flu, first thing they want to do is they want to get those fluids in. They want to make sure you're having fluid intake, that you're drinking water, that you're taking the boost, that you're doing whatever you can to get fluid in the body because without fluid, the body is not going to live very long. I hate to say it today, but the body of Christ has been without a lot of fluid for a few years now. And, and I tell you, we're getting to the point now where in some areas of the church, the body's in crisis. Let, let me tell you a story. This is a real story. I, I have this unique opportunity in my position to be invited to go speak in a lot of different places. I would say probably eight or nine Sundays out of 12, I'm doing what I'm doing now in a different place. And I went to a church a few months back and after, after we spoke, you know, we, we did what you always would do. When I went to church, we opened it up, and if somebody's heart had been touched, we gave them a chance to come forward to find that peace and to find that answer that they're looking for in their heart. Not from me, but from the one I worship and the one that I serve. And so we had an altar call. And after the service was over, this old lady, older lady, came up to me and said, <laughs> yeah, yeah, came to me and said, you know, that's, that's the first time we've had an altar call in this church in 10 years. I'm not talking about someplace in Kalamazoo. I'm not talking about a place in Africa, some foreign country. I'm talking about Pensacola, Florida. Churches where people go through emotion. The Bible said they have a form of godliness, but they don't have the power. They deny the power of the Lord. Because you see, you can't have the power of the Lord if you try to do it in your own ability and through your own strength. Because you see, of ourselves, we have nothing. It's all temporal. It's going to pass away. It's going to fade away. It's only through Him. And only... Only when we get to the point where we thirst enough, it's then and only then that God steps on the scene to begin to quench that thirst. And the reason a lot of churches are dehydrating today is because they're not thirsty. They think they got the steeple high enough and the churches are full. They got a great big budget and they got tons of money. But I'm telling you, that's not what it's about. There's a revival coming to America whether those churches want it to be or not. And I'm going to tell you, it's not going to be about what happens in here. It's going to be like on the day of Pentecost. You know, those boys were in the upper room and the power of the Lord began to fall down. And you know what happened? That room could not contain the power of the Lord that was in that room. It had to disperse from that room and had to stumble out into the streets of the city. And they said, my Lord, what's wrong with these people? What is, what is happening over there at that Pensacola house of prayer? Look at those people. They're like drunk people. What's wrong with them? I'm telling you, that's the kind of thirst that it's going to take to bring a revival to a country and to a land that's dying. They're without Jesus. He is the answer. I've got a news flash for Fox News. The Republicans are not going to save America. And I got a news flash for CNN. The Democrats are not going to save America. The only thing that's going to save this country is if people begin to pray and they begin to call on his name. He said, if my people, if my people which are called by my name, if they'll begin to pray, he said, I will hear. I will hear their cry and I will heal their land. I'm telling you, God is the only one that can be the answer for the mess that we've gotten ourselves in. 
And as I started this thing talking about, you know, when we get our plan so discombobulated and when it gets so tied up in a knot that we can't find a way out, that's exactly where God wants us to be sometimes so that we just step back and do just what I'm doing tonight. I don't have a manuscript. I don't know where I'm going next. All I'm doing is trusting in the Lord because in Proverbs, he said, if you trust me, he said, if you'll trust me with all your heart, all your soul and all your might, he said, I'll direct your path. That's the kind of thirst. That's the kind of thirst that was being talked about in Isaiah. I remember in the Old Testament, there was a lady by the name of Hannah. Hannah wanted to have a baby. Hannah wanted to give birth to a child, but you see, it just wasn't in the cards to that point that you know, no matter how hard she tried, she could not produce a child. And she got to the temple one day and the high priest Eli was watching Hannah pray. You might remember the story because the Bible described it like this. He said, I was watching Hannah and her lips were moving, but there was no sound coming out of her mouth. You know, sometimes we think it's the loud prayer, the one that the God's gonna hear. Isaiah said, when you get so thirsty that your tongue is so, so thick that you can't even speak a word, you just start moving your lips. God's gonna hear the cry of your heart. He's gonna know what you need just when you need it. And he's gonna step on the scene. But we have to get to the point where we're thirsty enough. Thirsty enough. I hear an awful lot as the superintendent that you know the problem with this world is we don't pray in school. To start with, that's a lie. That's a lie. I, I guarantee you there's probably some children here that have prayed over an algebra test. If you haven't, you ought to. But if you come into a cafeteria and it is your custom and you've been taught to bow your head and give grace and thank God, nobody in the school system is going to stop you. And if you need to bow your head and pray and touch that test before you take it, nobody's going to stop you. But here's what's not going to happen as well. I'm not going to tell you when to do it, can't tell you how to do it, and can't tell you who to pray to. That is a job and a jurisdiction that falls to the home and to the church. The problem in America today is not that we don't pray in school. The problem in America today is we don't pray in our home. We quit praying in our home and that's when this country began to fall apart. Fall apart. My father was a minister and I can remember as a young boy, we lived in one of those little shotgun houses. There were four boys. I was the oldest of four boys. Not a girl in the bunch. And just to prove that God has a sense of humor, I get married, have two daughters, I got six granddaughters and no boy in the bunch. <laughs> but I remember the four boys, we'd all be in the same room. There were two beds in the room and we shared our whole life. That's all we knew. That's how we grew up. We were poor. We had no money. But in the room next to us was mom and dad's room. And I can remember every night, you could almost set your watch by it, when dad got ready to go to bed. Dad would get down on his knees beside his bed and he began to pray and I could hear my dad in the room next door and I didn't always know the order and I didn't always know exactly what he would say but I knew somewhere sometime during that prayer he was going to call my name and he was going to pray for me and I'm gonna tell you, I'm 62 years old and the prayers of that old saint have protected me, have anointed me, have kept me, have blessed me beyond anything that I ever deserved. But I wonder today, I'll just give you the rhetorical question. I wonder for the parents, how many of your children have been in the room next door 
and they've heard you travail and pray that they would be kept safe from the snares of the enemy that's in this world today. I'm telling you, the enemy is more alert and more alarming today than he was when I was a teenager. If our young people need to be prayed for, it needs to happen today like never before. So mom and dad, you better arm yourself. Mom and dad, tonight get by that bed and yell out to the Lord. You don't have to be in a church to pray. That's a trouble now. You see a lot of people have in their mind that unless they're in the church, they can't pray. And we've gotten so lazy in church that that most people when they come to church, they don't even pray. They let somebody up front say the prayer for them. And they think that's good enough. That is not the kind of thirst that was happening in the book of Isaiah. I'm telling you, somebody gets thirsty enough, God will send you the revival. God will send you the answer. He'll send that sweeping force, that sweet fragrance. You know, that's what it is. Every time you pray, every time you pray, I don't know how God does it, but God accumulates those prayers. Just like that global, that God positioning system, he never loses track of me, he never loses track of a single prayer. The book of Revelation talks about where when the 20 and the four elders came and they were gonna open the book and they began to break open those seven vials, that golden vial, you know, the one that had that sweet odor to it, the one that had that sweet fragrance, You know what was inside that vial? All the prayers of the saints, all down through the ages. You talk about storing a prayer in the cloud. Google got nothing on God. He's been storing the prayers in the cloud. Every prayer that's ever been prayed, it is a sweet smelling incense before the Lord. All he's waiting for is for people to get thirsty enough in their spirit of dehydration. There's not a church in this city. There's not a church in this country. There's not a person in this world that can't unleash great and mighty miracle power if they would just begin to trust not in themselves but believe in the Lord. We're in a generation that trusts themselves like no other. We think we're smarter than God. We think we got this thing figured out. We do. We've got more degrees collectively than any other generation has ever had before us. But that is not what it's gonna take to save this world. What it's gonna take to save this world is somebody getting real thirsty. Somebody getting thirsty before the Lord. And as they begin to get thirsty, I'm not talking about a little bit of thirst. Not a thirst where you you just want one little swallow of water. We need to be like people that are in the middle of a hot desert storm. We've been out there for weeks on end and we've had nothing to drink and we're thirsty. We have perspired, we have sweated. All the water's left our body and our tongue is thick. It is so thick that we can't pray, we can't speak words. When you get like that in the spirit, that is when God's gonna send the revival that some of you have been praying and fasting for. You want it to stumble out of this building and into the street get thirsty get thirsty get thirsty because when you get thirsty enough when those those from the alleys and the avenues and the neighborhoods when they begin to pour in you know what they're going to be looking for they're not looking to see if you can play a guitar they're not looking to see if you can get the beat just right in the church service They're coming because they need a drink. They need a drink. It's not a drink you can get in the neighborhood bar. They've tried that. That's not gonna quench that thirst. It's like Jesus when he went to the woman at the well. You remember that story. And Jesus, you know, the woman's trying to give Jesus a drink. And Jesus told her, woman, if you'll drink this water I'm talking about, you'll never thirst again. You know, if we really believe this, like we think we, and we say we believe it, how can we go our whole life not telling those around us, those that live in our neighborhood, those that we encounter every day of our life, how do we let them sit there in misery, lost and dying? They're going to hell, folks. I believe that. I believe every word of this book is true. 
And that book that they opened in the book of Revelation right there with the golden vial, that book is going to have some names written into it. And it's not going to be every name of every person that's ever been born. It's going to be the names of those that have recognized the soul-cleansing salvation that comes only from the Lamb of God. And when they've accepted his salvation and his mercy and his grace, it's through his cleansing blood that they've been made whole and their name is written in the book. How many names of people do you know that aren't in the book? We've got some responsibility for that. That's why you see I've got a very, very full schedule with my day job. It'd be real easy for me to say, you know, I'm too busy to go work in a church on a Sunday. I'm too busy to be thinking about that stuff and get ready, but my, my executive assistant's here and she'll testify. She knows if any church calls, if I am not committed, I don't care if they're big, if they're little. I don't care if they're good or they're bad. It doesn't matter. If I'm free, we're going because the Lord's gonna give me a word and we're gonna show up, God's gonna show up and I never know what God's gonna do from the words that we speak. This world needs a people that are thirsty. Thirsty for him because only through your thirst will the poor and the needy be filled. God will hear that cry and he will not forsake you. God bless you. Yeah. Yeah. You feel that? Yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's not done. <sighs> he blew my plan up too. thirsty people look like I can tell you personally what it looked like for me and my family and for Tony and Alicia almost seven years ago it looked like people who were comfortable in a nice big ministry job thinking we were in the perfect career. All the bells and whistles. But something's still not satisfied. Tony played worship for thousands of people. Opportunities to do recording tracks. One of the, one of the last times I preached in Tulsa, Oklahoma, I preached in a place called the Maybe Center, over 5,000 people there. Something was not satisfied until he and I, and you guys are getting to know Ben Watts, got on our faces and began to cry out to God. And in our hunger, in our thirst for his presence, you know what he did? He said, go to Pensacola. I've never been here. Maybe been through here. When you get so thirsty for his presence nothing else in this world will satisfy the only thing you desire is to obey what he says because I think there's something in the water 
when you drink it. I think there's something in the water that when you drink it, you begin to want to look and live like him. You know, we moved here in 2008, the end of 2008, December. We were on the ground first of the year when the year changed. Did not have a job. Did not know anyone here. Have two children in diapers. Have no insurance. No way to know how we're going to take care of ourselves. But we had been on our faces with God. He said, go to Pensacola. I'm delivering that city into your hand. Through prayer and fasting and worship. And he said, go first and take care of the poor, the widow, and the orphan. And that's all we did. We had no, we did not have to worry about the distraction of entertainment because we did not have enough money to go to a movie if we had wanted to. We did not have enough money to pay for a babysitter to go to that movie if we wanted to. And so we came we would hang out with homeless guys under bridges and we would take peanut butter and jellies and we would go sit with them and we would talk and get to know their story and Tony would take photographs and, and he would do write-ups on different guys he was meeting around the city and tell their story and we would go to widows' houses and, and, and clean up their yards. And honestly, to be honest, we came to a city, we didn't know what to do other than just to obey what we were told. So we were just trying to do what we knew to do. Sometimes when you get real thirsty for God, man, you just don't care about the program anymore. The only thing you care about is, is at the end of the day, is he going to say, well done, faithful servant. He's not going to care about my bank account. He's not going to care about the car I drive. He's not going to care. None of that impresses him. It impresses man. And it's why John writes the book of Revelation the way he does and why I've been teaching it and, and, and God's going in a different direction tonight. But I'm here to tell you right now, what happened in the book of Revelation is just as relevant for you and I right now. The same system tries to capture our attention. The system of power and influence and money and status and that system, the Lord is showing us in a gentle way that it is crumbling and failing. Because it does not bring him glory. But those with a contrite heart do. Those who are thirsty do. Brother Thomas released that word about a sick church. I'm going to share a couple of series of prophetic words that we had in the beginning. And then we're going to transition and, and do what I felt we were supposed to do, which is intercede for him and anyone that's involved with the school system. And we're going to get thirsty for God. When, when, when Tony and I and Ben were in prayer in 2008, and here's something I want you to understand. See, for us, this began nearly seven years ago. We're coming into it. This is by design by God. We're getting ready to enter into the Feast of Tabernacles. We're ending where this season of Jubilee is getting ready to end. We've been on a seven-year cycle, and God is completing things and fulfilling things he promised in 2008. You're a part of the story. One of the things we saw was a person that was on the floor trying to reach up 
to turn a light switch on. And this, this person looked like an individual that was at the point of total starvation. Like you look on National Geographic or something like that and you're in a, another country where they have absolutely no food or water. You can see their bones protruding through their skin and they're so malnourished that they look like they are about to die. They did not even have the ability to lift their hand to flip the light switch on, to turn the light on. And God said, that's the church. That's what he said. We saw a picture of the condition of where the church has gotten. You read Revelation and there's one church that looks healthy on the outside, but it is dead. How do we know it is dead? Because John has a perspective because he's caught up in the spirit. He's taken to heaven and he's given eyes to see how God sees the churches. We pray the Lord's prayer. Let your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. John was taken to heaven to get a heavenly perspective so that he could see how God sees it and could come back and communicate to us. So we were so moved by what we saw, we knew we had to go in radical obedience to Pensacola. Just to do our part is sink or swim. It's getting out of the boat. Either God is real or he's not. Either I really can believe this and live this or throw it in the garbage can and go live for the devil. But I'm not going to get caught in the middle. Through relationship. Let me tell you something. I think there's something powerful when God, Jesus sent them out two by two. Two by two. Two by two. There's a reason. Because there's strength. There's accountability. There's whenever you're feeling weak and the enemy's bombarding your mind, that other person can remind you, but God said. Don't you remember what God said when we were on our faces crying out? He spoke this word. This is what he said he would do. So we came. Now that we're here, we're coming through a season of a chapter that's getting ready to end and something new is about to begin. Now, there's a lot of detail that I'm going to to, to skip because of time and what I want to move to. But here's the next thing prophetically that the Lord is doing that I feel like is tied to tonight, the timing of tonight. Um, Greg called me this week and said, I, I need to talk to you. I need, I need to tell you something. And so we showed up across the street at the new building and um, Cherie, my wife, happened to be there. I didn't know she was going to be there. And so he was like, great. I'm glad you guys are both here together. The word is for both of you. And so most of you know that, that my wife is pregnant with our third child. And uh, we're excited. And the reality is, for some of you who don't know the story, um, you know, it's been nearly eight years that uh, it's taken before Sheree has gotten pregnant. We, we, were, we, we did not plan this, but the Lord had a plan. One night in a church service in Alabama, the Lord broke the fear of having more children off of my life because Sheree had a tremendous amount of complications with Hannah when Hannah was born. And that fear tried to seize her womb and close it up. But for such a time as this, even as he spoke the word about Hannah and the, the whisper of the prayer, see, the Lord knows things that we won't even talk about anymore because we don't want to be robbed. And in that moment, God broke that fear off of me and I came home and I woke Shri up in the middle of the night and I said, you're not going to believe what happened. God broke all the fear of having more children off of me tonight and I wept and I, we prayed together. Two days later, she conceives.
I instantly thought we were having a son because of something that the Lord had shown me over several years that, that I, th I thought we saw another son coming and we had this anticipation of a warrior son that was coming. Whenever I get, we, we, we get to our, fir our first ultrasound to find out what the baby is going to be, I'm sitting there with Aaron and Hannah and we're looking at the TV screen and we're excited. I'm getting ready to shout for joy. It's a boy and it's a girl. <laughs> we still shouted. But it put me back into a place of trying to understand. God, what are you saying? And so we've been processing and praying and praying and warring over the identity of what this child represents. And, and I hadn't talked about it. And Greg come to me and said that the Lord spoke to him and, and, and showed him, told him to give this word to us. Is it okay if I share this, Greg? I've kind of done went there, but... That last minute of hit the and pull the emergency brake. So Shri and I are sitting there, and he said, "You've been wondering what is what's up with this child." Can he looked right at me because he knew I thought it was supposed to be a boy, and he said, "God's not looking for another warrior; He's looking for a bride." In the same day that God speaks to Shri and I that he's looking for a bride, I, unbeknownst, I, 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 real, I have a, an aunt who, whose health is failing. And, and that evening, my mother called me and she's in hospice. And, and so uh, on the same day, um, my mother is in the, 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 the hospice room with her sister and one of the daughters. And they're singing hymns, just old hymns to my aunt and just worshiping the Lord, victory in Jesus and how great thou art. And the, the atmosphere is just thick with the presence of God. And, and, and so my mom walks out of the room and, and the nurse comes to her and tells her, you know, what, what's going on in here? We're out here singing songs with you guys. And, and, and she said, in fact, the, the man next door to you in hospice dying, he, he could hear you singing. And my mom said, Oh, man, I'm, we're so sorry. We weren't trying to be loud. We were trying to be respectful. She said, no, 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 he's enjoying it. He asked, is there a wedding next door? She said, yes, there is a wedding taking place. As my aunt literally in those few minutes began to transition, she said, there's one ushering her to her groom right now. Let me tell you something. The room next door could smell the fragrance of the bride of Christ. See, that's what the people are ready to see. It's what God is looking for. See, there's a fragrance of a bride. Not just a warrior. Not just someone who can be loud and boastful and prideful and arrogant and have more muscle than the other guy. But the one who can represent him and be by his side walk in his beauty and his glory radiate him that's you the same day i had a brother out of state text me without any collaboration a pastor in another city moved saying god is speaking to me he's coming back for a bride Three times. The Lord said, let it be confirmed in the mouth of what? Two or three witnesses. He gave me three of what he's looking for. He's looking for a bride. There's a lot of confusion around the world because most people don't know who they are. It's important that we know who we are so they can learn who they're called to be. I want to intercede for Brother Thomas and those of you who are involved in a school system on some level and I want to pray. We have, a, we have a little bit of time to do this. And I absolutely do not care that the agenda was hijacked by my God. 
Um, I want to say this, and I want to be careful. There is warfare in what this man deals with on a daily basis. I've experienced some intense warfare over the last week uh, that would make your head spin. It's the reason why the Lord told me to fast and pray because this kind that we're dealing with is not going to be handled by a bunch of gimmicks and religious tricks. It's going to be done when we get on our faces, he said, at our house, in our homes, and we cry out to God. But I've been to a school board meeting, and I've seen and witnessed with my own eyes what he has to contend with every single month. As much as the enemy does not want prayer in school, there are those who would lobby and fight and I'm talking about real demonic forces would love to see the forces of evil infiltrate into our school system. I mean, there is a person who was there every time who was a part of a, a satanic church. He's there to disrupt. He's there to bring a dark presence He's there to try to get inside of the mind and the, the, the mind of the operation of this man of God who is trying to lead a, a, a school system in, in uprightness. So here's what I'm going to say to us as a church, as a house of prayer. This is our watch. Find out when the school board meets. Show up and intercede. Because I'm going to tell you right now, the devil's showing up. He's faithful to show up. Why? Because he wants that mountain. He wants it. But Jesus died for that mountain. Jesus poured out his blood for the mountain of education. So I want to pray. And if you don't mind, Brother Malcolm, if you would come forward up here. Is that all right? And I want us to pray for him. If you're involved in the school system on some level, would you just please stand to your feet? Okay. Awesome. Wonderful. 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 We're going to pray. Tony, would you come? Ben, would you come? Greg, would you come? Steve, Holland. Yeah. Those of you who are involved in the school system, would you guys come up as well and just come around him? I could have Jimmy if you would just come and thank you Lord guys you are witnessing something tonight that is extremely prophetic and very important the Lord said to pray his will to be done and that's what we want to do so I'm going to ask you guys, would you just stretch out your hand? Would you position your heart right now? God appoints leadership. And if this man wanted this position in his own right or his own ability, it wouldn't have happened. But God appointed it. And God will sustain him and God will strengthen him. But the Lord has called us as believers to intercede. To add our prayer to those bowls that he spoke of in heaven. So we're going to do that right now. I just want you as a church to begin for this man to feel the strength of the bride of Christ who is called to represent the glory of Jesus on the earth. I want him to begin to say, something changed that night in my life, that, that the winds changed. I feel a, re, a resurgence of, of energy in my body physically. That that witchcraft has no power or place. Shame on us, church, if, if, if that comes in on our watch because we just wouldn't pray. 
We were distracted with the TV. We were distracted with our entertainment. We were distracted with the latest thing coming out. While our children are being led off to a slaughter. So, Father, we come before you now. Father, we ask you right now, would you just begin to move right now? Holy Spirit, we thank you for appointing this man to your service. Father, I thank you for those around him, God, even in this circle, God, Father God, who are in his ranks. And Father, I just thank you right now that the mind of God would fill him. That your word says that we can know the plans and the schemes of the enemy before they happen. That we would not be caught off guard. But that, Lord God, we would overcome our adversary through the spirit of truth. Yeah. What you just did, Val, was really important. Tony, would you just lift his other arm up? Thank you, God. We're going to lift your arms up. Lord, I ask you that a fresh wind would blow upon him and his lovely wife who I just met tonight. Lord, would you let a fresh wind just come even into their home? God, would you let just a fresh presence fall upon their home? That, Lord God, you just cleanse that place from the heaviness that the enemy has tried to dump a truckload of heaviness upon their even their home. God, I thank you right now. That home is to be a safe haven of your presence and glory. God, I thank you right now. Lord, your word says that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but they are mighty in God for pulling down of strongholds and so God we pull down this stronghold right now this demonic oppression that has tried to come against this superintendent against the home father against the school system father we break its grip tonight father we just declare right now Lord, you said the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, so we know we're not battling this with our strength, but we're battling this by the divine spirit of Yahweh. Lord God, I thank you for the humility that is on this man. Lord, I thank you that your word says that you will dwell with your presence on those that humble themselves before you, God. And Lord, I just see a spirit of humility on this man, and we thank you for that, God. And I thank you that you would just overwhelm him and his family, his wife, his household with your presence, that everything that they need would come from your presence, God. The strength that they need would come from your presence, God. Lord, I just declare right now that you're raising up a generation in the school system and in the homes of this, uh, of, of this city, God, in our region, that would do exactly what he released tonight, and that is find their identity in you. Lord, I thank you that you're raising up a generation in our schools that will see that they are a bride, that they will see that what they need is intimacy and love with you, Jesus. So, Lord, I just thank you that you would wash over our schools and our homes with your love and that you would open up hearts to receive your love, God. That it's through that love and through that revelation of being a bride that they would find their identity, God. And I thank you that it's through this that the school system would be turned upside down for your glory, God. Lord, we just declare revival to the school systems, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you that you're raising up teachers that will love unconditionally. Lord, give this team, this team of people up here right now, unoffendable hearts, God. That no matter what the enemy tries to do to bring destruction or offense or anything against them, God, that they would see it for what it is that it's an attack from the enemy and that our battle is not against flesh and blood. And so, Lord, I ask that you would protect hearts of the students, of the teachers. Lord, I thank you that the banner over this city, over schools, is love, unconditional in the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you that you just give this man of God strength. 
in his weakness, God. Lord, he is a humble man before you that has recognized that he cannot do this on his own. And so, Lord, I ask that you would bless him for that revelation, God, and pour out your strength and your peace and your love. In Jesus' name, give him wisdom. I hear that that you've been blessed with wisdom. Just hear that my spirit is so strong right now. That you've been blessed with wisdom and that there have been voices that have tried to silence that wisdom. They've tried to make a, a mockery of that wisdom. And it stops right now in the name of Jesus. And I just thank you, Father, that the wisdom that you have blessed this man with would go forth before him in humility as he humbles himself before the staff and the teachers and everyone that he he stands before and that you give him authority in the name of Jesus to do your will and that you give him wisdom, God, to make the decisions he needs to make in the name of Jesus. So Lord, we just ask you now to seal all these prayers. And Lord, we just ask you that you would pour out what you promised to this man. I just saw the Lord like there are some real promises he put in you. There was some real vision that's still yet to be completed. And Lord, you are faithful to watch over your word. Faithful. He is watching over his word he promised to you. And you're going to see that it is accomplished. Who would believe such a thing that a nation could be born in a day? Or that salvation could come to a school system in a day? In the same way that the people of God were persecuted and ran through the mill in a day you brought them salvation. Lord, I ask you, where this man and his staff and the system has been been put through a mill, God, I ask you in a day, the fragrance changes because of your glory. You fight on their behalf, Lord, we ask right now in Jesus' mighty name. Will everybody shout amen with me? Let's give the Lord some praise. Hallelujah. 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 Just a couple final words to say that from the Lord here. Sir, (laughs) this is a strong word. But that which has been troubling you, the Lord is about to trouble them. I have given time for repentance of her immorality, but she is unwilling. Therefore, I will cast her on a bed of suffering. And I will make those who commit adultery with her suffering intensely unless they repent of her ways. Lord, he is not playing games. But blessed are you when they persecute you and falsely say all kinds of negative things about you for his namesake. For great is your reward. And Jesus said in the Gospel of Matthew, You've heard it said to love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, bless and pray for your enemy. And you have done that. And you have heaped up many coals. And there is a fire coming upon your enemy. Lord, I pray that that fire would cause repentance on their part that it does not have to be judgment. 
It can mean repentance and salvation. So God, I ask you that, Lord, you would cause repentance and salvation even to our enemy, we pray in Jesus' name. Would you stand to your feet? We're going to wrap this up. I'm going to ask you guys, would you faithfully find out about the school board meeting that happens once a month? What is it, Miss Linda? Second Tuesday. Third Tuesday. 5.30. Third Tuesday, 5.30. You don't have to make a scene. All you have to do is show up with what's inside of you. Because that which is inside of you will radiate and change the atmosphere. Let's just thank the Lord for what he did tonight. Just lift your hands. Lord, we thank you for pouring out your presence and your spirit tonight. God, I thank you for revelation. Lord, we thank you for changing hearts and minds tonight. Lord, I thank you that you've called us to engage this culture with your beauty, with your presence, and with your unconditional love. God, we thank you right now in Jesus' mighty name. Can we give him one more shout of praise? Hallelujah. God bless you guys. If you need prayer, I'm going to ask the prayer team to come up. We'll be happy to pray with you. The next service begins in just a few minutes. We love you guys. Have a great week.